Welcome to Doctorate, the podcast of PhD candidates in the humanities and the social sciences at the University of Vienna. This is the place for communication and discussion about issues surrounding us in the world of science. We address the what's, why's and how's of our work and invite researchers from different disciplines to explore topics and ideas they and we deeply care about. This is the second episode of Doctorate, where we're going to talk about teaching experiences in academia. And today we have uh, two guests with us. One of them is Cosimo Paravano. He's a PhD student of Byzantine studies here at the University of Vienna. He's born in Florence, and then he moved to Pisa. And then he spent one semester in Berlin, and then one in the US. Not before September 2019 did he move here to Vienna, because apparently it's like a hub for Byzantine studies. It's the place to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he started to teach this winter semester, 2021 to 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a small seminar course with five students. It's called The View from Antioch. Welcome, Cosimo. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Uh, and then we have Asada Kakavand. She's a PhD student at the Department of Communication here at the University of Vienna. And she's from Germany, but she did her master's in Aarhus and in Amsterdam. And then she was recommended to apply for a PhD here in Vienna by her supervisor. And here she's teaching two statistics tutorials called Quantitative Data Collection Methods and Statistical Data Analysis with two groups of uh, approximately 30 students. Welcome, Asada. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for being here. Now that we're all introduced and we're all here together, finally we can start talking about teaching. Teaching, mm -hmm. I mean, teaching is like super scary in some way for most people. Some people come to the university starting their PhD. They've already done uh, teaching. They're so confident. But most of us, I mean, we haven't really done that much of it. And then right. you're thrown into this. It's in your contract. You're going to do teaching. It's kind of like, how do I do this? Uh, do you have a support network? How mm -hmm. do you figure out how to do it? I mean... Um, where did you learn how to do teaching? Because you, you've been yeah. doing it for a little while now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, I had some previous experience, but most of what I did this semester was new to me. And so um, one thing I did to kind of get me into the process of uh, learning how to teach is to ask as many people as I could about um their experience, so my supervisor, my postdoc colleagues, my pre-doc colleagues, and also then um, trying to read up on, on, on teaching and also attending uh, some of the semin seminars, workshops at the Center of Teaching and Learning, especially one with lots of people, of peers, of, who were in my same right. situation. Because you, ha you have, at most universities, I expect, at least here in Vienna, you have some sort of uh, courses that you can take at the Center for Learning, mm -hmm. but you also have sort of colleagues and people you can talk exactly. to. Um, and it's finding this balance between those things. Azada, how did you approach this? Because you, you also had the uh, mandatory uh, introductory course in, in teaching. Yeah, um, I when I read that I have to teach or when someone told me that it's going to be in my contract, I was like, okay, that's fine. I... Um, I taught younger students when I was in high school. Um, I taught kids how to sail and so on. I thought that's fine. And then it came to, okay, I really have to teach statistics. And I thought, okay, no, <laughs> I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so um, I took a mandatory course, which yeah, I had to take. It was mandatory. And um, I came out of this and I still didn't really know what to do but um, since I'm teaching tutorials that are um, taught by multiple people 
I could exchange with them and ask the people who already taught that before um, how they did it. We already had slides prepared and so on. So that was kind of nice. Mm. How is your confidence level in teaching? Because the way I, I figured from what you're saying right now is that before you started, it was like, yeah, I can do this. And then you get there and it's like, oh, shit, can I really do this? And then you take the course and you're like, yeah, I, maybe I can. How, <laughs> how is that going like up and down? Um, yeah, up and down is a good description. I remember that I was so nervous before the first class I taught because I was just sitting in my room in a shared flat and it was all online and I figured like they can see that there's like it's just a small room and is my didn't teacher feel... going to sit in like a library full of books and here's yeah. like a girl <laughs> sitting in her room <laughs> yeah I didn't feel that different from being a student mm. and I didn't know how the university works in non-covid times i never taught i never took a course in this uh, university so i didn't know about the study culture how yeah courses work here and so on but since i studied in a couple of different universities um, for my bachelor's and my master's i knew that it was different from university to university so this really occupied my mind for a bit yeah because none of us are from vienna here but we're no. all teaching in yeah, vienna exactly um i, I mean yeah I, I do you like what is your experience with that cosmo like because you've been uh, a bunch of different places like yeah Italy, yeah yeah and that's, uh, germany the u.s and now here austria yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing that I, I really tried to bring the experiences i had in terms of teaching to my the teaching I'm doing here in 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 Vienna, and I also had a, an international group with Erasmus students from Italy, person from Germany, a person from Belgium. So um, I, I I tried to find my own way uh, by trial and error. Where do you feel is like the best place for learning and teaching of the places you've been? Uh, I mean, I have to admit, I really liked uh, the kind of U.S. seminar style. Because everyone says that, right? I mean, I've yeah. never been, but everyone's like, but oh, the yeah, U.S. The, what's, <laughs> I mean, I'll just say in, in a few words what, what I found great about it. You have readings, and then you bring your own questions to the class, and you discuss it. Um, so it's much more compared to what I was um, used to in Italy, where there is a lot of lecturing and almost no discussion. Mm. Um, I tried to do that with my students uh, and I asked them, bring three questions for every text that we read. And that really helped me understand what their questions were yeah. instead of, you know, asking. Right. But we can talk about it a little bit because like we all have these like expectations and experiences from other places, like either from teaching ourselves or from being taught by someone else. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to have like sort of our own course, you know? Mm -hmm. And how do we go into designing or creating this course? Obviously, Cosmo, you you have a bit more leeway in designing your yes. own course. But you guys thought you have this sort of standard packaged course. How do you bring yourself and in, in your own improvements and your own ideas about how teaching is supposed to be into something that's seemingly a bit rigid? I think because it was all laid out before, I kind of only developed my own um, approach to it now. Um, I teach the same class for the third semester now. It just started last week or this week mm. um, for the two classes. And every semester I think, oh, actually this might be a better way to explain something. So I change it a bit and it just develops. Mm. And you have the freedom to change these things. Yeah, as long as they learn the same stuff as in the other 
11 classes that cover the same thing because mm -hmm. they are all parallel. Um, it's actually fine if I use a different example, which maybe they get better. Right. How about you, Cosmo? I mean, you have so much freedom. I mean, yes, I, yes. I, I, I realize you don't have the freedom to do whatever you want to, but it's right. you teaching this course. Yes, it's and the that only was one. both the challenge and the fun of it because um, I really ask myself, so what are the topics that uh, I'm able to cover and that could be uh, the most interesting ones for uh, for the students? Mm. So um, that was the, my challenge for this course. I think it's nice that you can say, hey, what's the most interesting stuff for my students? Because when I get back this teaching evaluations, mm -hmm. um, you can clearly see, see that people cross in the field like, this is interesting or this is helpful for my studies. They think no, but I still, they're like, you did this good, but I don't like the topic every year. <laughs> that's so oh, terrible. That's but I mean, like, you, at least you don't have to take it personal, I guess. We ask our guests every episode to bring an object or a yeah, set of objects right. or something. And you are no exception, of course. Of course. Uh, what kind of objects did you bring? Uh, I mean, Azada, you can start. Uh, I heard you had two different sort of ideas of what kind of object to bring. Yeah, um... I mean, for the one thing, the obvious and dull thing is my laptop, because in comparison to when I was in my bachelor's and I took like some statistics tutorials, they never had a laptop. They had like shark and a blackboard and wrote down like the, um, yeah, the calculations and we copied it or we calculated and they said the solutions or so. And these days, nothing works without a laptop, right. especially for the hybrid format and so on. As soon as you don't have internet, you're kind of screwed <laughs> for this. Um, so I, on the one hand, thought my laptop, but on the other hand, I have like a pen, which is really stupid. It's just a cheap pen that I got from um, Amsterdam when they sent a package because our graduation was online. Yeah, it, because of COVID, right? Yeah. Mm. And it just said like University of Amsterdam or Universität von, von Amsterdam. And on the other side, it says alumni. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it's so hard to figure out that you have been a student not even a year ago or you're still a PhD student, right? But you're also teaching other people. Mm. And this whole imposter syndrome, especially if you're in home office and you didn't really figure out how the university here works, um, that right. really made me uncomfortable. And um, this pen says that actually I'm... It's like, the proof. It's the proof that <laughs> I have. <laughs> I'm smarter than all of you guys. I have the pen. <laughs> no, it's not like I'm smarter, but I, I have the degree. Mm. So at, actually at some point, I'm in the position to, to teach other people because I have a degree. And I think in general, like you grow up and you're like, okay, in primary school, the people who go to the next, like to the right. high school, they're really the smart people. They figured it out. And it goes on through your life. You mm -hmm. never... You're never, at this point yeah. where you're like, okay, now I figured it out. You just think the next step is when you figured it out. Yeah, it's like tomorrow never comes in a way. Yeah. It's like always <laughs> the next step is going to be be the one. I mean, some people have diplomas on their wall, I guess, like having the pen in your pocket. Yeah. Kind of a, a little flex, I guess. Yeah, but but do you ever use the pen or do you just have it around as a sort of like... Uh, no, I write with it as well. Okay, good. I mean, we don't want it to go to waste or anything. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Cosmo? You brought something... Uh, yeah, rather <laughs> different. Yes. I brought a little 
bottle of champagne, actually. And yeah. before people start wondering, you know, what we were doing in my class when <laughs> I was teaching. That's how it, you get the confidence. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it was um, something that my the, the Angelica, the person I share my office with, right. um, gave to me after the first session of my course. And um, the reason why I decided to bring that um, is because I then kept discussing with her about what I did in my course and um, with her as well as with a, a, a whole bunch of other people. And so uh, sometimes you get the idea that teaching is something that happens be- behind closed doors right. or that it's a kind of a lonely endeavor to prepare for your lectures, seminars, etc. Uh, whereas I really think that... Um, that's a wrong assumption. Mm. Uh, so that bottle kind of uh, symbolizes the, the this um, principle. But I haven't opened it yet yeah. because I really feel that every time I have more to discuss about what could be done with with, with the teaching. So also it's it's kind of a process. So I haven't opened it yet. Right, so you're never really done. It's always like you're yeah, right, right, right. You're never like the the supreme teacher. You know, no, never. <laughs> I, I I don't think so. You we. You talked about this um, always growing and, you know, like yes. never really becoming like this, um, the next step, the next level. There's mm-hmm. always something to mm-hmm. sort of uh, uh, grow into. And, and we had a little bit of a conversation yes. about this before we went into the studio right. about these expectations we have towards ourselves as teachers. Yes. So one thing is what expectations other people have. Mm-hmm. We can't really do too much about it. Right. The expectations we have towards ourselves Yes. are really something we can deal a little bit with because a lot of people maybe have the wrong expectations or mm-hmm. too high expectations. Right. What do you think? Yeah, one thing that I would say to my kind of to my younger self of 6 months ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, is that one thing to bear in mind is that um the idea of the natural teacher is a myth. Mm. Um and so learn teaching is something you learn. First, you can learn by talking to your peers, to your um, senior colleagues. Then you can, I mean, there are handbooks that uh, one was very useful to me in gathering ideas. In, I mean, there is a whole science of teaching, as right. it were. Silly example. Why do students, why don't students ask questions? Right. Uh, you know, we were all in a class when the professor said, are there any questions? And no one would answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and I guess some... they're not wondering about anything. <laughs> I, I switched to uh, tell them, ask me a question. Right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And and for example, I learned some tricks in these books. And there is a podcast that I like to listen. Uh, yeah, please. About, um, it's called Dead Ideas in Teaching and Learning. Dead Ideas in Teaching yeah, and Learning? Yeah, so about wrong ideas uh, uh, okay. in, in teaching and learning and then as i said i attended a workshop at the center for teaching and learning of the university of vienna um and that was useful because it brought together students uh who were in my exact position so pre-docs teaching for the first time and we were able to exchange ideas with a moderator who was also an expert in in um, pedagogy and teaching methodologies. Right. Do you do you have any like uh, techniques or, or whatever you've learned throughout your teaching that you want like to share? Like something obvious, as for example, saying, "Ask me a question" instead of "Anybody have a question?" You know. I I talked to my flatmate back then, who is a bachelor student in um, something co- uh, like connected to theater. 
Oh, yeah. um, so totally different topic. But I asked her, like, what does work for you in online teaching? Like, what do you think helps you? Mm. Uh, what is a good practice and what is maybe a bad practice of some teachers? Right. And I don't remember what she said, but... Oh, Wasn't that good advice? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, one thing, for example, in the beginning, it was the question, do you do it in, like, live or mm. do you just pre-record stuff and they can watch it whenever? Mm. And they mm -hmm. have to do some task or so. And... Um, She said, do it live because otherwise it's, are not it piles it, up yeah. to the end of the semester for the students. Right, because they can postpone it all and, the time. And um, it gives the students, if you do it live, even though it's on it's on uh, Zoom, it gives them the opportunity to structure their day. Yeah, true. Because it's also hard for students in the pandemic to structure everything. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we don't, may maybe we don't think enough about the students when we're thinking about teaching, maybe we think a little bit too much about ourselves. I'm not going to talk for you guys, but at <laughs> least for me, it's just like, how can I do this in a good way? How can I, you know, say the most correct things? How can I this and this and that? But mm -hmm. in the end, you know, we're not teaching to an empty room. You're, you're absolutely right. I think, I mean, uh, I think it would be a good idea like mid semester to gather some feedback um, from the students themselves um, in terms trying to do that in the safest way possible right. so that they don't feel under the spotlight or anything. But really, uh, for example, the idea of posting these questions on Moodle came from a student and um, we kind of then implemented it. And then uh, I got the feedback that sometimes um, I... And they were right. I talk too much uh, because I mean I <laughs> come from what you're supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but you know, coming from Italy, from this academic culture of just lecturing, right. uh, I probably felt that I had to show that I was able to talk on and on. Right. But sometimes I mean, you again with the expectations you think. Yeah, you know, like of showing that you're. I mean that you're able to do that. Right. But sometimes the right thing to do is just shut up and listen what they have to say. How's it being like uh, you're 25? I'm 26. 26. Yeah. <laughs> How is it being 26 or 25 uh, for that matter and having like students being the same age or older than you? Um, in the beginning, I really was afraid of that because it's like you're in the level to you're in the position to grade other people. Mm. And these people have more life experience. Mm. So what's your authority kind of? In yeah, the way, yeah, what's your authority? So also in German, I really thought because I teach in German, do, how do I let them approach me mm. like with my last name? But that feels kind of weird if they are all the same age as I am <laughs> yeah. or with my first name and with like Z or do. Uh -huh. And um, <laughs> I think like first the first two semesters I went with first name and do. And now I'm doing like first name, but Z and I'm just I just thought I just figured it out for one of the semester. German language, like, <laughs> yeah. Coming from Norway, I never think about those things. But then you, someone yeah. mentions like, oh, shit, maybe I should think yeah. about it. How is it in Italy? Uh, so in Italy, it's the equivalent of Z. So you use the polite form in ev basically every university context. Mm -hmm. And so and I think that's the case here in, in Austria as well. Yeah. Do you But teach in, in English or German? I taught in English this okay. semester. Uh, but I decided to go for Cosimo, so first names, um, because I thought um, it would kind of bring me closer to my students. And um, I also had the problem of, you know, thinking, wow, you're um, I'm 27 years old and we're, these people are just a couple of years younger than I am. Uh, the thing that I 
kept thinking about that helped me in this um, when I thought these things was, um, okay, I'm just, I think I realized I had something that I could give to them. Mm-hmm. I had a, an experience that I could share. Uh, I didn't have to be the, um, you know, omniscient professor. <laughs> right. Um Every time I had a doubt, uh, I tried to make it clear to the students. So, I mean, for every question, theoretically, of course, you could just say there is this and that article that you can read. But uh, so what's the, 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 the bonus, the, the, the premium of having a person there? Right. Uh, I think it's really telling the students how you got to a certain idea, where you found it. Uh, why you were curious about it. What, so bring can, some kind of your personal so like experience into the class. Into the it. human element and the idea that you're not just conveying objective information, but that each of us gets to these things in a different way. And so so what's the difference between a class and a YouTube video? Right. It really should be the, the kind of human interaction. So it's, like it's me teaching And if next semester someone else is teaching the same thing, then it's going to be different. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I think that's very important. I mean, my personal experience with having people teach me, it's, uh, you get the impression that it's like, yeah, what is the difference between this and a YouTube video? And you really, right. Yeah. And you really get this like human element. Are you able to bring that into your classes as well as that? Or is it? Um, I think yes. Um, But on the other hand, I still have to get the same outcome as the other people who teach the same class, right? So in the end, they all get the same um, homeworks that they that are graded and that they have to do in like two weeks. And um, so they have to be able to answer these questions. Um, but still, yeah, of course, I can give my own examples and I can explain stuff in my own way and maybe also give my own experience, for example, from doing content analysis in my master thesis. Mm. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about where we're going after this, because right now you have your courses, you're teaching. I mean, the semester uh, just started basically, but the previous semester just ended. Well, uh, we want to go like a little bit further into the future. So um Cosmo you're d- finishing your PhD in like two years year and a half year and a half two years yes yeah probably two right probably <laughs> two <laughs> it's yeah. usually like that uh and you're as audit it's two and a half or three yes. years, something like that so after this you already said that you're gonna stay or you want to stay in academia Cosmo yeah that's the plan yeah how do you bring your teaching experiences into this what do you imagine that you got from this experience that's mm-hmm. valuable to you in the future Cosmo, you can yeah, say. yeah. One thing I want to do is to keep learning more about uh, both the, the 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 theory and the practice of teaching. Uh, I realize that there, are, you know, there are tons of books, articles, yeah. podcasts that you can use to become a better teacher. Because and as I said, it's this a process. Podcast as well. <laughs> and now this podcast as well, right, right, right. Um, so I really want to make teaching into one of the things that will accompany me in the course of my um, life. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking about life, I mean, how do you bring it into your personal life or like your life outside of academia? Do you learn anything from the, uh, from the, from the classroom that you like, shit, maybe I should use this around the dinner table or when I'm skiing or I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in general, I think as in kind of every human interaction, just you know listen to the person who's 
bef- who you're talking to yeah. and try to understand their perspective and point of view. In a class, it could be um, where they come from academically or not even academically, socially, personally, etc. That conditions the questions they bring to the class or the attitude they have during the class, their background, ethnicity, or whatever. So like teaching is not only about talking, but about listening as well. In a way, exactly. And that's, I think it's, can be said about any kind of relationship, not only academic. Yeah. You go home to your uh, your partner and just like, I'm going to listen. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's the, exactly, exactly. Yeah. What about you, Azada? Um, I think that it takes you a bit out of this tower ivory tower of um being a phd student and being surrounded by people who are like advanced academically because like then teaching bachelor students who in the beginning there are always a couple of students who say yeah i'm afraid of statistics i'm afraid of numbers Mm. and certainly most of them don't want to go to academia they don't want to stay in communication science they probably chose social sciences because they didn't like maths that They're much. Classic, yeah. <laughs> so I try to always bring to them also the perspective of, hey, if you want to become a journalist or so, which I think most of them want to, mm-hmm. or at least some. You don't you, need statistics. You need statistics <gasps> to, like, Gasp. I mean, you <laughs> see it in, in the whole corona stuff and so on. So I also bring some bad examples of, some reporting about uh, corona numbers or about like last semester the elections in germany where there was just some graphics that were super bad mm. and you're like this is not how we do this so it's finding a way to motivate your students in a way and give them like a purpose hope, or a sense of purpose. i hope it works yeah um it's actually my aim yeah yeah i mean i think that works uh pretty well I, in in my experience, you know, you need to get the motivation to learn stuff as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. But do you want to stay in academia as that afterwards? Or do you want to go to journalism yet. as like all the other people? <laughs> I don't know yet. <laughs> so what do you what do you think you're taking with you from, from teaching? Do you think you can apply that to another job in the future? I think the whole understanding of how statistics especially um, can be break broken down again to like um, to something I can communicate to others mm. is important because if I tell you, yeah, this is my significant yeah, yeah, result snore. with a p-value of this, Ugh. no one is going <laughs> to listen to me. And I think, yeah, the exchange, the stepping up, especially after this whole corona time or mm. within this whole corona time where you don't communicate so much to other people, where also I feel a bit sometimes that I get less extrovert. Mm-hmm. Um, that helps. Yeah. Or that's a challenge, but also a good challenge. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, it's a burden teaching people statistics and numbers and things, <laughs> like trying to make it interesting. <laughs> I mean, I've had my statistics courses. I know how it is. <laughs> 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 yeah. I think if you can make that happen, you're you're on your way to learning something important. But also in general... Stepping up there and saying, okay, I'm going to tell you now about this and this is why you should care about it. Mm. It's kind of universal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want to talk about, before we uh, round off, what would you? What have you learned that you would teach someone else to people who are listening to this podcast and they're going into teaching in a semester or two? They're maybe like thinking of starting their PhD, but they don't know what to do with this teaching. What are your recommendations to going into that? I mean, there's so many things to think about, but... Top one tip, Cosimo. Right. Uh, 
can I make it two short tips? You can make it two short tips <laughs> okay. if they're good. <laughs> one, <laughs> one is talk to as many people as you can. Teaching doesn't have to happen behind closed doors. Share it with your colleagues. Get tips. Um, make it into something you share right. with other people. Second tip is bear in mind that it's always a process. So uh, you may be afraid at first, but then you, teaching is really something you can learn. So yeah, I mean, uh, everyone's afraid of it in a way. Right? Yeah, we all were. I mean, if you're afraid, then you will, you know, we all were. Yeah. So don't be afraid. You're going to get there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd connect to that and say be confident because you have some expertise that the people you teach don't. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in your class. Yeah. I mean, we keep getting back to this in this podcast and all our one episodes <laughs> mm-hmm. that we had and this episode um, about this um, imposter syndrome, right? Yes. yes. And yes. it's it's just like, it's everywhere. It uh, is everywhere. <laughs> and it has to be made visible. Yeah. Though. To be honest about it in a way, is that your... Yes. Yeah. And maybe also take the students not only as a burden, but also like... A take resource? <laughs> Well, no, but take them as they are and get engaged with them a bit. And um, for example, because it is so like Corona and there's a war in Ukraine and so on, it can be really stressful and maybe yeah. also take that into account. The hum- human element yeah. on both ends of, of the, uh, what do you call it, the desk. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and you could even think, you know, that you're... It's, Two sides of the desk, but you can even for a moment, you know, sit at the same side. Of your yeah. Think of yourself as being on the same side of the desk. Well, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, no matter, dear listener, on what side of the desk you are, this was episode two of Doctorate. It's written and produced by Angelika Hudla, Max Brokhaus, and me, Rasmus Waldemann. It's edited by Martin Pokorny and hosted by me, Rasmus Waldemann. Thanks to our guest, Cosimo Paravano and Azara Kakavan. We'll see you in the next episode. Doctorate.